Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. And now, from the Daytona Beach News Journal. And he is a lap away from the checkered flag in the Daytona 500. The voice of NASCAR. Austin Dillon wins the 60th running of the Great American Race. Daytona Motor Miles with Ken Willis and Godwin Kelly. Well, top of the hump day to you, Ken Willis, Godwin Kelly, Daytona Motor Mouse from the News Journal on 6th Street, Daytona Beach, Florida. And right now we're doing a Facebook Live. <clears throat> see that right there? I see it. Yeah. I see it. Facebook Live. Yes, we are. So uh, anything you can say can be used and held against you. We do this every week, middle of the week. <laughs> we look back. We look ahead. We look askance. Askew, askance, side to side, and a little little NASCAR or anything else that comes to mind. If you're new around here, we are the Motor Mouse. Uh, we got Chris over here on the board, who's making us, uh, who edits all this later and makes we, it sound tight. We actually have to say Daytona Motor Mouse. Daytona Motor Mouse. There's also another Motor Mouse. That, <sighs> Daytona. Do we have a little trademark symbol on that one? Daytona Motor Mouse. All right. So what we do, we break the show up. Into, I'm, I'm pretending everybody's here for the first time. We break it up into three segments. We have really? what do you know. We have you'll get that in big time auto racing, and then we end it with green white checkers, which I think is a pretty good way to do it. If you don't like hanging around for the uh, post race inspection, uh, that's the after party that we have down in the old photo studio here at the News Journal in Daytona Beach, Florida. And uh, uh, anyway, but uh, wait a minute, we'll get, we're, we're coming live. I know, but we're Sixth not going to get Street Studio. We're not going to get started though until. A real, real quick break. Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. See? Wow. Now we're ready for what do you know? What do you know? This is what do you know? What do you know? Okay. All right, so the big thing in the news, you know, we just had Darlington. We're we're getting to Indianapolis, or as AJ calls it, Indianapolis, uh, this coming week for the uh, Brickyard 400. More on that later. And uh, (laughs) (laughs) whatever it's called these days. Um but the big news midweek there used to be big news every midweek seemed like every early to midweek we get big news and uh it just it hadn't been happening as frequently as it used to although we occasionally get a big news unfortunately this year whenever we've gotten a big midweek news it's been bad news and uh this week's bad news is the number 78 team martin truex this is junior this is just fascinating is uh is uh I just, will be no more after I just this year. Can't, I can't take my eyes off you. Better, you're better because I'm <laughs> creeping out. 
All right, so fill us in. Uh, Martin Truex, number 78, Denver, Colorado-based. Not the Denver in North Carolina, the real Denver. Right. This is that other Denver out there in the Rockies. Right. The foot of the Rockies. Yeah. The doorstep of the Rockies. Tell me uh, tell me what happened, and then, uh, then tell me why, if you'd be nice enough to do that. Well, so Barney Visser. Who owns, who owns Furniture Row. Uh, we have one of the franchises out here in Daytona. Over there on Fentress. Yep. Near the Auto Mall. Yep. Cinema yeah. Cineplex. So he's, sewing center. He's got a, uh, you know, he started a race team, let's say, 10 <laughs> years ago. I don't know the exact date. Right. 10, 12 years ago. I don't have my phone because we're using a phone to be on TV. Um, and then about three years ago, we started to take it seriously. Mm. It's like, you know, I don't want to finish 25th, 30th, last. I'm tired of that. So he started pouring money into that. <laughs> he poured some money into that. He started to actually put money into it. And the, the gamble was that if they ran better, he could get sponsorship. <laughs> Instead of using Furniture Row and yeah. Denver Mattress and all right. of his brands. Yep. And he, uh, I'm telling you, he put tens of millions of dollars into this thing. Mm-hmm. So it, his his gamble paid off because competitively, yeah. So he struck up a deal with Joe Gibbs Racing, mm-hmm. who you know started to supply him with the cars. He got motors from TRD, which is the Toyota uh, racing Toyota, Toyota factory. It's like turd on paper, yeah. <laughs> but it's not on the track. <laughs> And so, you know, voila. How do you spell voila, by the way? With a V. And, uh, you know, they started. So they started to win, right? Well, first they started to finish better, and I think they got a win. Then they started piling up. Win is not with a V. That's with a W. They started piling up wins. Mm. And then last year it culminated. (laughs) How's that? Pretty good. That's pretty good. Culminated. Four syllables. Good job. With a championship by Martin Truex. Junior. Junior. So now they that go. must have that then that must have been when that gamble that financial gamble paid off. I mean, you win a championship. I'm guessing the corporate sponsors were lining up, <laughs> waiting for them. In. Right after he came off stage at the banquet, they were lining up, handing business cards. Right. Call me Monday right morning. After, we can't wait to hook up with your team and put our name and logo on your right, card. Right after Brian, right? right after Brian threw the ring at that's Truex. Right. Yeah. So that's what happened, right? That's what you're going to tell me happened next. <laughs> no, t- no, no, no. What happened? So they maintained their sponsorships. The furniture row. Uh, which is the uh, five-hour energy drink. Yep. And then the uh, Bass Pro Shops. Yeah, they had a little bit of kick in from them. Yeah. Not enough to do a full season, obviously. No. Yep. So Bass Pro Shops, though, was good for, what's, uh, was 22 races. Okay, that's pretty good. Yeah, that's a good chunk. So they had 14 races that were sponsored by five-hour energy. Well, Five Hour Energy said, well, we're not coming back. We're done. We're going in a different direction. Yes. I like when they say that. <laughs> do they, uh, do they, Don't forget. Do they, different direction. Do they give them a five-hour notice? Yeah. Yeah. And so Barney Visser, I mean, pretty pretty much right up front, if you remember, mm-hmm. when Five Hour exited, yep. he said, hey, we got to get a sponsor. Otherwise, I'm not pouring more 
coal on. I'm not shoveling on more coal yeah. from my wallet. Right? Yeah. yeah. And uh, true to his word, they he set a deadline. They passed that deadline, and then he said, "We're closing. This is it." Called their bluff. Yep. And there was nobody to bluff, though. Yeah. <laughs> he wasn't bluffing. Exactly. So um, now this isn't unprecedented, Mr. Willis. No, I've I've seems that I've heard tell of such a thing. Before. Yeah, Rusty Wallace. He when he won his championship. Yes. Uh, the team closed its stores the following season, and he ended up with Penske. Landed right on his feet. Yeah. So uh, anyway, it just is a weird, uh, weird dynamic going weird, on all weird over the place. thing yeah. happening yeah. that. Uh, you, you have a team that won a championships, won races, is considered one of the big three this year, mm-hmm. uh, and they're announced there won't be around next year. There won't be a '78 car next year, so it's just crazy. I, I just can't wrap my mind around this. Well, it, it, if you look at the big picture, I think what it, what it lead points to is. As they are trying to reinvent this thing here over the next few years, how do we do business? Uh, how, frankly, TV is going to make all those calls, you know, because right. that's where the big money is. Right? How do we try to get the momentum back? Uh, how do we try to get the numbers stabilized and then going up again? How do we try to regain some of the mojo? Uh, scheduling, uh, the way they run races, the way races look, the way the cars look. Uh, one of the big items in there has to be how these teams are funded. They've got to find a way to stabilize the funding so that teams are no longer uh, hitched to the, their need for corporate dollars. Right. And and the only way really to do that is with a spending cap, I, I believe. Well, uh, and, and if they come up with a way to do that and police it effectively – you can bring some sanity back to it. Well, Barney Visser could keep running based on the money he gets from NASCAR purses and the TV cut and all that. He could keep a team and well, keep running it. They just wouldn't be fast. Right. But um, the Steve Phelps, I believe, is that yeah, right? Yeah. Right. He's he's working on that idea where they have the, you know, the umbrella sponsors for the whole huge yeah. sponsors. They have a yeah. series of huge sponsors and yep. that money. But that's for NASCAR. No, no, no. Yeah. No, in the model. Yeah, they say um, that uh, it would. You know, they're actually looking for um, you know naming rights for for racetracks, money for race teams, um, entitlement sponsors for for uh, races. It would be all inclusive. So they, they need to find a way to keep the so that the teams no longer feel obligated to go out and pitch their own deals and get right. their own specific sponsorship money unless they want to run 25th. Right. That's what they got to find a way to, because there's no new blood in the ownership game. Yeah. I mean, it's always, it's the same people. It's the same and people. And also, and then somebody does sneak in like Barney Visser. He break cracks the code and, and finds a way to put together the right relationships with Gibbs and whatnot and find a way to get up there, but he can't stay up there. So it's, it's weird. It's just, it's remains, you know, it's Gibbs, Hendrick, Penske, sort of Childress and Roush, but, you know, it's just hard to – I don't know. Something's got to be done to create an atmosphere where it's like the NFL in that any team that is run correctly can build a championship 
contender. Right. In NASCAR, you just do not have that. You just got a small handful of teams that are capable of doing that simply because of the funding issue. So they got to find a way around that. And that, boy, talking economics is really dry. And <laughs> yeah, but it's I, like the dismal I'm going to tell you I'm what. Um, you know, when you first mentioned team colors, yeah, I thought you were like, and now that a year later, I'm like, that makes perfect sense. Just a, just a little bit ahead of the curve. It's yeah. lonely up here. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's going to be part of the discussion. Is you, you got to have you got to have constant color schemes for each team, so that when you turn on the color television on Sunday, your mom can find. Jimmy Johnson or Clint Boyer, well, whoever her favorite. Let, let me give you a tell. A tell? Yeah. Okay. Um, so they had the throwback weekend. Yes. Different. You know, they brought back. You know, familiar. Yep. Darlington. Well, yeah. And um, so my wife briefly watched. You know, the, the race a little bit. Automobile race. And she pointed out, "Hey, in that Davy Allison's car." Because one of the teams had run yep. the old Havel, and mm-hmm. it was a little different. I remember, but the color scheme was yeah, yeah. yeah. different. Co- different. It was the same pattern, just different colors. So my wife's a very casual race fan, yeah. and she recognized the Davy Allison color yep. scheme. Well, there you go. So, so you got something. You're on to something there. Oh, I, sometimes I am. Yeah. Speaking of Darlington, <laughs> Brad Keselowski broke through. Finally got a win. Yeah. Kyle Larson had him covered all night. Lost it by inches on pit road, basically, which get, cost him the top spot on the restart. Yep, is that inches? That is. is that, that's about. Uh, that's that about inches? four. That's about four. And I cost him a first place spot on the restart, which cost him the win in the end. Yeah. And uh, we got some clippage here, right? We're going to hear from Kez and Larson. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Which one, who should we uh, hear from first? Do you I think set we should. This up? I think we should hear from the loser first. Oh, you, oh, that's kind of cold, man. Well, you uh, would have won if there yeah. wasn't three cautions yeah. and, and thirty which loser? There were thirty-nine losers. Which one? Well, you Kyle know the Larson. one, Kyle Larson. Okay, so set it up. What are we going to do? What's he talking about? He's just talking about you know how the race was won and lost, and uh, it was actually you know everybody knew that on that on that last uh, pit stop. Whoever came out first was going to have the advantage, yep. but we didn't know if there was going to be another caution because you know they had three like bang, bang, bang. They, caution. Didn't, they didn't make the script public. NASCAR <laughs> wasn't showing the script. Yeah. So, uh, so anyway, both drivers addressed that uh, element. So we'll start out with Kyle Larson. Here we go. Brad yeah, Quinton. yeah. I mean, uh, clean air is important. Um, you know that was the that was the first time the two car was was out front um all race long he showed that he was really fast and clean air but um yeah i think if i could have you know been the control car for that restart um and you know he beat me by just a nose uh off of pit road like um and kind of won him the race so uh you know i was was really loose in traffic uh behind those guys trying to run hard um but i was loose you know even when uh, you know, I'd catch lap traffic, I'd get extremely loose. So something about the, the dirty air here this weekend was uh, affected the balance. I felt like a little bit more than normal. But, um, yeah, you just needed to, needed to be the control car there for that final restart. 
All right, well, there's Kyle Larson. Next, we're going to hear from um, Kez, right? Brad Keselowski. We Kez pretty much, do you have to set this up? This is pretty much just him talking about the win, right? It was him talking about the win, but it was important because I remember um, two or three years ago, yes. Keselowski said, you know, we win races, but we don't win the big races. Yeah. And so, I can't believe it's been 20-something years since the Penske, Penske car won Darlington. That seemed very odd to me. Until was, I did the remembrance was, in my head. Well, it's actually 75. The Penske car won in 75 with Bobby Allison. Are you serious? I yeah. thought I read it like early 90s. It was 75? Yeah. My God. All right, here's Brad Keselowski. Man, I'm kind of in the moment right now, and, and uh, I got out of the car just a little dehydrated and had a couple beers, so I'm not sure I got the best answer for that. Uh, but I would say it's, it's pretty damn cool. Uh, you know, this is a such a special racetrack. Um, it always has been, and I think it always will be. Uh, and when we added in all this retro stuff a few years ago, it's like a spark that just reignited this track as just being stupid cool. I mean, uh, to, to, to win here and, and to win wearing Rusty's colors and driving his car, I kind of feel like I'm in a dream from when I was 10 years old, you know? Uh, but uh, it, it's, it's something that I'll carry forever. Uh, it's, it's probably the biggest win in my career, um, especially with it being a weekend sweep at one of the toughest tracks on the circuit. Uh, and today was, was no different. Uh, so I'm just really, really thankful, really, really proud. Uh, thankful of the team effort uh, that it took to win this race. That last pit stop put me in position. And, uh, you know, of course, we had to capitalize on it. But we, we, uh, we were in position, and the pit crew nailed it. I got a great launch out of the pit box. And I couldn't have beat Larson by... A foot. I, I haven't seen the, the pit road cam, but uh, man, that was cool. And I knew if we could get out front, we were really strong on the short runs, uh, not as strong as he was on the long runs. But I knew if we could get out front there with, uh, was it 20 or so to go, that, that we could drive away. And I was just praying every lap there wouldn't be a caution. You know? All right, that wraps up Darlington. That wraps up What Do You Know? And, oh my God. Uh, we'll be moving on. Daytona Motor Mouse, we will be moving on into uh, our middle segment right after this. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. With you'll get that big time auto racing. You know what you'll get? What? What you'll get is uh, uh, clunky names of races, but this is a good one. It's uh, you remember it was the Brickyard 400? Yeah. Then they started renaming it after uh, a veteran of some sort. They it was a different person each year. They re- renamed it after. Right. Uh, I forget what other names. I meant to look that up before we came in here, but I got sidetracked. That's hard to believe. <laughs> But now they've landed on Big Machine Vodka 400 at the Brickyard. Yep. I think it was I, – I keep seeing it. I keep saying it as a Big Red Machine Vodka <laughs> 400. Big Red Machine. Pete Rose driving the pace car. <laughs> Tony Perez waving the green flag. But anyway, it's still the Brickyard 400 to any anyone and all. And, uh, and it has uh, ever since I, – I do think ever since that first race – 
had some excitement, had some drama when Jeff and Brett Bodine announced their family squabbles on, on live TV. Oh, yeah. And then I think Earnhardt won it the next year. Did, Gord, Jeff Gordon won it that first year, and then I think Earnhardt won it Gordon, the next year. Gordon overtook Ernie Irving. Yes, and then you had that episode there around year three or four where five, somewhere in there, where, uh, where Earnhardt had cracked his sternum the previous week at uh, Talladega. Talladega. And got out of the car, and Mike Skinner had to replace him during a first yellow flag pit stop. Yeah, Gordon got or Earnhardt got out of the car, and Doctor Jerry Punch, I believe it was, interviewing him on pit road right after he got out of the car, and he was practically crying at the fact that he had to get out of his car. That was so. There were some moments early, but then over the years, this race turned into one tedious affair. There's just not a lot of opportunities to pass at that track. It's a fast track. They're going faster there than just about anywhere because they get to the end of them straightaways and they have to hit on the brakes to make the hard left turn. The problem. But the problem is what? The problem was about 10 years ago when they had, when Goodyear brought those horrible tires and they were blowing up after six and seven laps and NASCAR got to the point in that race where they were having to throw the yellow flag every 10 laps. Yeah. Just, you know, competition uh, yellow. That, that, that's a problem. That's and not that the was, problem. That was a big problem. That was a they, huge problem. But in the years prior to that and in the years since we've come to realize that that track is not conducive to the type of action that shows up in the commercials and on the posters remember posters yeah so that's that's the problem i mean it culminated in that fiasco but that could have you know by and large that kind of fiasco could have happened anywhere they could have had the wrong compound wrong tire yeah but the track just is not conducive to side by side racing through the corners and all that and now on the on the bright side, generally speaking, with a few exceptions here and there over the years due to circumstances, the best teams contend and eventually win that race. We had that long run where the eventual NASCAR champion also had won the Brickyard that year. So because right. that's the that's the track where you got to have the horsepower, you got to have the handling. You know, there's no plates. You and it, and since it was such a high paying race back when we used to have race purses announced it was such a high paying race that in a high profile race that the teams put a lot of effort into it so they brought their best stuff there and they had to have it all in working order so you could tell the cream of the crop each year at the brickyard the best teams had the best cars there were no i mean it was almost without without fail with just like a few circumstantial exceptions right but it is almost never an exciting race to watch. How's that for a setup? Well, uh, you're right. All right, let's move along. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, you've heard the whispers, haven't you? The whispers. Tell me, Bill the, Anderson. The whispers. Whispering Bill. The whispers are, uh, you know, last year in order to uh, just as an experiment, mm-hmm. they slapped on a restrictor plate on the Xfinity cars, you know, the Bush series. Yep, the old Bush series. Yeah. Yep. And so they went from two lead changes to like 18 lead changes in the in that race. And so the Xfinity cars are going to have the restrictor plates again this year and the talk is after what happened at Charlotte with the All-Star race. Yes that uh this could become a restrictor plate race which next would year. force it to be tight pack race yeah yeah 
So that would create the competition. That so while I'm among those who know and realize that restrictor plate racing is further contrivance of close pack racing in a sport built on contrived close pack race, close pack racing, uh, it used to be. I now have kind of changed gears on that and said, might as well. Why yeah. not? You know, got to do something. Yeah, if they're not going to race side by side and beat and bang like they do in the commercials, by God, we'll make them. <laughs> we'll equalize all the cars so that Landon Castle's running with Brad Keselowski and the big boys. The uh, commercials are so darn exciting. Yeah. 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 So Go look up the Brett and Jeff Bodine. If you haven't done it lately, go look that up from the first brickyard. We've been having a little problems between us. <laughs> Yeah, but you just go to YouTube yep, and you do that. put in 1994 Brickyard or throw Bodines. in Bodines. Yeah. Then something, good stuff. something will pop up. That's good stuff. Yeah. Do not type in Big Machine Vodka 400, however. Here's something else you'll get in Big Time Auto Racing, uh, promotional ideas. And I just saw that Pocono is doing a good one. Next year, they're going to let kids 12 and under free gate admission for the cup race. And for their two, the two cup races and the two IndyCar races starting next year at Pocono um, with an adult, with a paying adult. And that's, that's a great idea, but I think they should go higher than 12. You know, about six or eight years ago, under the direction of Billy Payne, who was the recently uh, retired chairman of Augusta National Golf Club, the Masters started admitting kids 16 and under free with a badge-holding a, a ticket holding adult wow and, and it's a great idea because yeah. what you need you need that you need if you let a hundred kids in free five of them might become fans you know maybe 20 maybe three whatever but more than if you hadn't let them in free right and and by the way they're they're not just wandering in off the uh you know off the off the camp bus they're coming with paying customers and while they're there they may buy a coca-cola and some cotton candy or india corn dog and they will uh, or, they will spend money. Yeah, you will get your money back. Or a uh, collectible car, or Oof, a T-shirt, or money. a hat. Ooh, that's all their uh, that's all their paper boy money they're yeah. using up on that. Remember paper boys? Yep, yep. God, so, what if there is such a thing anywhere anymore? Anyway, I, I just brush them right by that. I think you? we we should run this by the coach. By the coach? Re- yeah, real quick. We'll see what is he coach says. Here? Okay. Yeah. All right. It's good that we won. We can go back and make it. Can't understand. Can't uh, understand a word he says, but it's funny every time. Yeah, that's the LSU coach, and I. I love, I love his voice. God, I love his voice. That's going up, Bill Football out the Bayou. <laughs> we listen to LSU football on Saturday night. Go Tigers! All right, let's let's get out of here. Let's go to uh, the next segment. All right, we'll be back. <clears throat> Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back with Green White Checkers. We're almost out of here, Mr. Kelly. Yeah, we're going to talk a little bit more about the Brickyard. I'm sorry, the Big Machine Vodka 400 at the Brickyard in Indianapolis, Indiana. And uh, then we're going to follow that up with the always popular birthday game. we got a few good ones this week. We're memory banking this week on you. Dang. Um, here's, here's an issue. You know, they moved the Brickyard from uh, the middle of summer 
to sort of the end of summer, pre-fall. You know, it's gonna, uh, it's the last race of the playoffs. Uh, I'm sorry, last race before the playoffs, the cutoff of the regular season, and which means the weather's a little more pleasant in Indianapolis uh, generally that time of year, uh, which is this week. I think the forecast is mid set, mid to upper 70s. Chance of rain, of course, because it's still summertime. And uh, God didn't make little green apples, and it don't rain in Indianapolis in the summertime. Something like that. Which is well, a lie, you. of course. Thank you, Roger Miller. Uh, so, uh, anywho, um, here's the problem. This is the first weekend of the NFL. And you would think, right, you, you, you would assume that the Indianapolis Colts through the NFL scheduling, right. would make sure that they're not playing their home opener on the Sunday of the Big Machine Vodka 400 at the Brickyard, <laughs> right? Right. You'd be wrong. Yeah. They are opening that afternoon. Uh, they'll be approaching halftime right around the time the green flag falls over there in Indianapolis Motor Speedway for the Big Machine Vodka 400 at the Brickyard. So you could you could get from one to the other? No, 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 you couldn't. <laughs> no, you couldn't. No, that's that's ridiculous. Shuttle over there. No. So uh, the reason being, I said, man, that's really crazy. The NFL, their schedule is not set as early as the racing schedule is set. Right. Uh, they don't set their schedule till after the well after the so previous is, season has ended. You're putting this on the NFL. Well, they just put Shiv right to them. But then it turns out that it's basically the Colts who said uh, who could have said requested that they not be at home that they not open the season at home the right. same day as a big machine back and forth under a but it turns out that the second week of the nfl season the following sunday lucas oil stadium home of the <laughs> indianapolis colts is uh that weekend is, uh, is taken uh, over by who taylor swift <laughs> part of her uh, renovation stadium tour or something like whatever she's called it reputation stadium i don't know it's a Stadium tour. She's playing stadiums. That's how big she is. She is so it's still big. Girl. She's still big. So she's got a concert at the Colts Stadium on week two. So the Colts are out of town that week. So in order to give up their uh, to not be at home on race day, they'd have to be on the road the first two weeks of the NFL season. Nobody wants to do that. No, not competitively, and not in terms of your marketing and all that. Said, literally, we want to be home on week one since we've got to be away on week two. And somebody said, well, you know, that's the same day as the, hold on, Big Brit, no, big, big Machine Vodka 400 at the Brickyard. Right. And they thought about it, they thought about it, and they went, nah, we don't care. Yeah. Yeah, so I don't think they feel there's going to be any loss, any crossover losses. I think the race will lose more people to the Colts opener than vice versa, right. I would assume, just given the nature of the two fan bases. Right. But I also think that uh, that did them no favors. One of the other reasons they wanted to change the race dates at Indy was because attendance had been sagging to embarrassingly low numbers in the grandstands on race day. So uh, it's it's a bad, what they call bad optics. So changing helps. It gives you, it gives makes it the last race of the regular season, so a little more intrigue. And it also, climatically, it's a favorable uh, time of year compared to midsummer. So, then they run headlong into the Colts opener. So you can't win for losing, can you, Mr. Kelly? I nope. think that's a lesson to be gleaned from all of this. And another uh, strange thing here, Mr. Willis, mm. is the fact that, uh, you know, when the Brickyard uh, came onto the schedule 25 years ago. Yep. 
24, but go ahead. Well, it well, came on the schedule 25 years ago. It was run 24 right. years ago. All right. Um, throwing in some math. It immediately became a crown jewel. Basically, Did you say clown or crown? Crown. I think you said clown. I, I, we can hear the tape again. All right. But anyway, all right, I'll give you the benefit of the doubt. So, Let the record show. So basically, um, the Winston 500 at Talladega. Talladega. Had been one of the crown jewels, mm-hmm. but now it's been replaced by Indy. Yeah. So you got the Daytona 500, obviously. 100, yep. The Coke Zero, Coca Cola 600. And now you got Darlington and Indy back to back weekends. Yeah. So. Uh, it's like back to back majors if this was golf. Yeah. So Except it's not, and it's not. It's. <laughs> <laughs> but it is and it is yeah so uh i thought that was kind of kind of intriguing um i think what they're trying to do is they've got the southern 500 pumped up again yeah and i think they they're looking for like that spillover to indianapolis Indian. yeah the tradition history racing etc well, they might want to mix in a look at the Taylor Swift uh, tour dates <laughs> next time. You know? Well, there's a lot of pieces, a lot of moving pieces when you're doing a schedule. Yeah. Everybody goes, let's do this, do this, and do that. And you go, man, there's a, there are so many moving pieces when it, involved in scheduling. It's just unbelievable. Yeah. It's amazing anything ever gets scheduled. Yeah? Yeah, I know. Yeah. Right. I once did a Stratomatic baseball uh, season. It's just a 40-game season among eight teams. Uh-huh. Took me longer to set up the schedule than I was like twenty eighteen. Oh, I better say like fourteen. It's embarrassing to say I was doing that at twenty. Uh, yeah, and it took me longer to set up the schedule than it did to play the whole season. I think. Well, I'm, right. I'm scheduled to uh, do my draft picks tonight for our fantasy well, league. Well, I'll tell you, like everybody else, my fantasies don't involve football. <laughs> <laughs> and I got, I'll show you some draft stock picks. cars. I'll show you some draft picks. <laughs> How about stock All cars? Right, we're gonna end this thing with the birthday game. All right. Okay, you ready? I'm we're, ready. Uh, we got some quality this week. We're uh, got we're all over the place, so uh, we're going to start uh, tomorrow is the birthday of an old Bush Series winner named uh, Jeff Green, one of the Green boys, one of the Green brothers, David's Jeff brother. And there was another Green boy in there somewhere. So anyway, get off your phone, see what you're doing. Don't cheat, Jeff Green, former Bush Series race winner, might have been a champion. Was he a champion? Yes. Bush Series? Yes. Why am I forgetting the other brother? There's David Green, Jeff Green, and they had a third brother that raced. I don't think he did much, though. Well, I'm not saying he did a lot, but he raced. But Jeff, Jeff and David each won a Bush Series yeah. championship. So. All right. So, anyway, Jeff Green, happy birthday tomorrow. And he's going to be how old, Mr. Kelly? Jeff? Yeah. David is older than Jeff, so I'm going to say... He, Je- Wait a minute. We're talking about Jeff. Jeff Green for the fifth time. All right. God, trying my patience. So Jeff Green, I remember David Green because he, he had, he was like you. He was gray really early. Yeah. I mean, real early. 11. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I'll just say I'll throw out uh, 52. Yeah, you've done better. That's not the best. That's not bad, but done better. 56. Okay. Also tomorrow, here's, here's a testing you kenny bernstein former top fuel racing legend who became a nascar and indycar team owner owned the car that brett bodine won his only race in and he's also the first man to crack 300 miles an hour from a standstill uh quarter mile top fuel kenny bernstein 
Budweiser, Team Budweiser, something like that. Anyway, his birthday is Thursday. Former drag racer and NASCAR team owner, IndyCar team owner. Well known. He's in several halls of fame involving the automobile and it's an uh, automobile racing. So anyway, Kenny Bernstein, this dead air that you're creating is magic. <laughs> 70. Not bad, not bad. Eh, 74. All right, here, here's one. That, here's one that's going to get you. You're going to do some ciphering on this one. I can see it coming. You're going to do some ciphering. You're going to be doing some adding, subtracting. I've had to do that the last two times. Yeah, well, this one you're going to really – and you're going to nail it as soon as you're done ciphering. Friday's birthday, Donnie Allison. Donnie? Donnie. Bobby's big or little brother? I don't know. You tell me. Older, younger? Is Donnie, he younger? One of the Alabama gang from Utah, Alabama. Actually, he, I think he might have been born in Miami, just is, like Bobby was. Is he was. younger? I don't know. You tell me. Well, I've got two you answers. Call him the Alabama gang. If you told me Utah, he was younger, I got an answer. If you so told I wasn't me he was tell older. You. He might be younger, but he might be older. Or Se- maybe it's one. I'm going to go 76. Well, you're all around it today, but you haven't nailed one yet. Donnie's going to be 79 Friday. Donnie Allison. Mm. How about that? Pretty good little race car driver. Yeah. And IndyCar. He went to, ran to Indy 500 a time or two and did well. Well, thank God, you know, um, if if it wasn't for him and Kale, I mean, they put uh, – they put – they helped get NASCAR and yeah, TV. Launch, yeah, the 79 500 if yeah. they hadn't wrecked each other. He wrecked me, so I wrecked him back. Yeah. <laughs> That's a great book title, too. Yeah. So they uh, – yeah, and that was – remember, captive audience in the Northeast. Everybody was snowed in across America up in the snow belt, and uh, they had nothing yeah. to do, and there wasn't a lot of cable channels back then, so yeah. they all watched a Daytona 500. The ratings for that yep. show was incredible. And it ended with that crash up on the final lap and a little – fight there in the infield oh it's beautiful yeah that's what did it yeah it's one of the launching pads right there they, they got a 10 rating on that yeah. and what would they do now for a 10 rating well i tell you what crash they'd everybody stage, <laughs> yeah they'd stage a fight in the backstretch if they knew a 10 rating was coming all right we got one more day but we got four birthdays on sunday four that might be a record all right you ready ready to whip right through these okay all right coming up sunday felix sabatis Felix is Felix. 70. 73. Jerry Nadu. 45. 48. Good night. You're, see, you're just not quite on it today. You're like, you're, you know, if you were Tiger Woods, you'd be shooting around even par, maybe one over today. Yeah. You just haven't really drilled it. You've got two more chances, though. You can finish strong. Uh, retired crew chief and current TV guy, Jeff Hammond, with the big belt buckle and tight blue jeans oh. and perfectly quaffed hair. 60. 62 and one of our favorites one of our buddies from the 80s and 90s the old iowa pig farmer who got a put together a little part-time race team phil barkdahl son steve is still involved in the sport his birthday phil? is sunday phil barkdahl phil? made several 500s here in talladega daytona and talladega Oof, man 82 Oof, you finished pretty strong 81 okay well Phil Barkdahl with the X one story one timing uh, uh, Richard Petty. How's that for a big tease for a story? If you ever see me, I'll tell you the story in well, person, but I don't uh, think I'll, let's, I'll let's take just, it off the pod. Let's say uh, we'll talk about it next week. For a real tease. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. You want to, Oops. Gave it away. If you want to get uh, find uh, Ken Willis on Twitter, how do they find you? It's at Hey, H-E-Y, Willie, N-J, as in News Journal or New Jersey, whatever you like. 
And I'm at Godwin Kelly, and that's Goodwin with one O. Because <laughs> I think people put it in Goodwin. Yeah, I do. Godwin. God Kelly. Yeah. So anyway, we'll see you next week. All right. Thank you for listening to this episode of Daytona Motormouths. To reach the program, please visit DaytonaMotormouths.com or follow on Twitter at NASCAR Daytona or Facebook at NASCAR Daytona. And thanks for joining us. Daytona Motormouths is a production of the Daytona Beach News Journal. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.